It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Good Saturday morning. Is this thing on? I haven't been in the studio in two weeks, so I remembered how to hit the on button. Hey, welcome back to Green and Growing. So glad you're here this morning on WSB with us on a very chilly morning. What, 29 degrees, Robin just said, 30 degrees, something like that. So bundle up if you have to go out or if you have to and be lazy like me, bundle up and just wait till it gets a little bit warmer. Glad to start the new year with you. So last week um, was like a best of show on New Year's Day. So many of you may have missed it. If you did and you're interested in hearing it again, you can go to wsbradio.com and click on On Demand. That's where all of our shows and podcasts live, um, or look it up on Spotify, Google Play, um, the Apple Store, Apple iTunes, any of that. You're able to listen to the show at your leisure, commercial-free, so that's pretty cool. But yeah, like I took a compilation of some of the best things that I liked in the month of December and was able to put all those together for the New Year's Day show And, you know, we tend to forget sometimes, at least new gardeners, think, oh, wintertime, that's just the time when I can sit back and there's really not going to be a whole lot to work on. But au contraire, there is so much to be doing in the winter. So I had some really good guests who reminded us of that. Uh, Becky Griffin from the University of Georgia with her pollinator census that she puts on for the state every year and kind of educating uh, teachers and, and educators Uh, maybe on some ways to incorporate science and insects into the curriculum and into the classroom. And Dr. David Coyle from Clemson University with kind of an entomology lesson for us and what bugs to be on the lookout for. And Bradford pears, I think I'm going to continue talking about that scourge of the earth just because it's so relevant. There's so many here in Georgia and South Carolina has done some amazing things to really rid their habitats of Bradford pears. They really are more harmful than beneficial, come to find out. And um, who else did I have on that show on New Year's Day? Um, it wasn't Clint Waltz from the University of Georgia, but I do want to talk to him pretty soon about turf grass. I can't remember. But anyways, nevertheless, so that was the first show of the new year. Here we are on January 8th, and I would love to start the year off by hearing from you. 404-872-0750. Anne is waiting to take your call. It's very easy. You just tell her what your name is, where you're calling from, and what you want to talk about. It doesn't have to be a question. It can certainly be a comment. I got to Marco back running the show, running the board for us, so it's good to have Everybody back in the studio, 404-872-0750. So the day after Christmas, with it being 70 degrees, as it were, um, I had my parents spend the night on Christmas night. And as soon as they pulled out of the driveway, I don't know what came over me, but I was ready to get out in the yard and do some yard work. And so my husband mowed the fescue, did a couple of passes over the new fescue lawn that we uh, seeded in October. It's really lush, really thick, so we're really trying to keep up with that. And boy, the water bill reflected that for the month of November. The water bill was super high, but I think that's a good thing because we were really on top of watering that new lawn. So I hope you kept up with that. If you had a September or October kind of reseeding of of fescue, it should really be lush and rewarding you right now. So while he was doing that and out with the leaf blower, I decided to tackle English ivy. And in the past, I've had terrible reactions to poison ivy. And, I, you know, I get it all up and down my arms, and then one arm spreads it to the other arm when I'm asleep. And, I mean, I've even wrapped my arms in T-shirts, cotton T-shirts with rubber bands at my wrist and up at my elbow just so I don't scratch it or spread it or anything while I'm sleeping. Um, But I thought, you know, poison ivy's dead, um, at least most of it right now. 
uh, I I watched it. I happily watched it go from, you know, back to the reddish kind of leaf to just wither away. So I thought, well, getting in the English ivy, I'm I'm safe. So I had a short sleeve shirt on. And I did have gloves on. You always need to wear gloves. Um, but man, I, I had a great time pulling up two lawn bags worth of English ivy. Got it away from my back fence, got it down from some of the trees. And uh, lo and behold, about four days later, terrible breakout on my arms. So I don't know if that was a reaction now to the English ivy or maybe there was some poison ivy mixed in there that I just kind of missed. But um, so I've read poison ivy, even if it's dead, you still need to wear gloves. So I guess the oils just kind of stay on there and then it's going to sprout back up in the spring and it just never really dies. It never really goes away. But English ivy was really, really a tough one. Um, But man, once you get one of those vines and it just goes and goes and goes and you finally pull it and reach the end of it or the, the root to it, it's so rewarding to just, you know, wrap that up and put it in the bag. So now what I'm doing with the bag I could bring it up to the curb, um, but I'm going to wait and see. So I'm leaving the bags kind of undercover under the deck, and I'm making sure to let all of that English ivy die in the bag. No more green. So that may take probably three weeks, I would think, uh, before I dump it in the woods because I don't want to spread it. And I'm lucky to have kind of a woody area and a creek in the back of the house. But yeah, if I just dump it somewhere else, it's just going to spread it. I mean, I think that stuff can almost grow roots from one leaf. Um, So I'm going to wait and see how that does. I really didn't want to use chemicals, so I did manual removal. And some of you are probably like, you're absolutely insane. That would take forever because it spreads so much. So, uh, of course, I did some research as well. Um, A lot of folks, rather than using a herbicide, talk about white vinegar. White vinegar as being really, you know, um, English ivy could be susceptible to that. And upon a little bit of research that I did, uh, researchers have found that maybe 5 to 10% concentrations of white vinegar killed the weeds during their first two weeks of life. So not a very heavy concentration as it's leafing out. That was effective. But the older English ivy, like the really thick vines, like I've got, required higher concentrations of vinegar to kill them. And vinegar is kind of like glyphosate, like Roundup, in a way that it's non-selective. So it can be harmful to stuff around it, too. So you have to be very careful when using it. But that's really interesting. White vinegar could take maybe a week to really work, and it has to be a heavy concentration to really get to the English ivy that you had had for a while that's really tough. And then um, one of the, the most important ingredients in a selective herbicide, something that you just want to kill the English ivy, but you've got stuff around it you don't want to hurt, so something a little more selective could be triclopyr. Triclopyr is an active ingredient in many of the brands of brush killers, and it's systemic. So you're applying it to the leaves, but then it soaks in the leaves and goes down to the system. Um, So maybe up to 5% concentration of that. You know, if you read the label directions, you're putting it in a gallon pump sprayer. That should be able to be used safely. Um, And it's most effective. It can be effective now, but we talked about it in the fall and also in the spring when it's starting to leaf out. And it's, you know, there's new tender growth and it's a little more susceptible. So that's interesting. So there's definitely some brands, you know, by Ortho, uh, by Bonide, by BioAdvanced that all have kind of that concentration of triclopyr that you're going to want in a brush killer. So there you go. I Lesson learned. I mean, I'm still going to tackle it. I'm not going to let it defeat me. I'm going to do a little bit at a time. And again, it's taken over my rhododendrons, too, on the side of the driveway. So just a little at a time. But uh, lesson learned. I'm going to wear long sleeves. I had on jeans. But long sleeves, long gloves, and shower immediately after coming in contact with any of it. Now, I remember from our news department, Sandra Parrish, she was a celebrity gardener with me probably um, late summer of last year. 
And she was going after Virginia Creeper, you know, the five leaf kind of uh, vine that people often get confused with poison ivy for some reason, but I guess it grows in the same places. But she had a bad breakout to Virginia Creeper. So you just never know. Some of these vines you maybe have gone your whole life and you're not allergic to. And then lo and behold, all of a sudden, one day you're 39 and you go to do yard work and it really knocks you down. 404-872-0750. We're going to go ahead and jump out to the phones and go up to Athens, home of the George Bulldogs, and talk to Rick. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Ashley. How are you, friend? I'm good. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Got to see you a couple of times this year, and that was so much fun. It was. Hey, uh, I got a question. I've got um, a house up in Clarksville, and it's got some overgrown rhododendrons, and I really don't know what to do with them. I like to like get them back down to half the size they are now. Mm-hmm. So is that a bush or a shrub that you can cut back to a bear? You know, anything you can reduce the size, you know, by by a great amount if you want to, but it's going to take some time. I don't think there's any flowering shrub that you can just, you know, knock off 50% or more and have success. So it's got to be done in stages, Rick. But the most important thing about the rhododendrons is the same as azaleas, flowering shrubs like that, that you do the majority of the pruning right after it blooms because it hasn't put on new buds yet. You know, it's going to kind of go into a not a dormancy, but, you know, just kind of starting the system, starting to shut down. So the biggest part that you'll do is is after it blooms. Mine starts to bloom as early as late February, March, but, you know, usually they're starting to fade by April or May. So get out there, take back at least a third um, and really reduce it by, you know, cutting back the scraggly branches, maybe the branches that never had any flowers on them, that kind of thing. And then if you need to do a little more reduction, you can do it in the fall, but you risk cutting off some blooms for the cutting that you do in the fall. So do the, the more of the reduction in the fall a little more sparingly. Just stand back and kind of start to shape it at that point. So then by the next spring, you'll be able to kind of see, you know, if it's the size that you'd like, and then do more reduction the following spring. That'll be your third pruning um, if you really want to get it back in shape. But, yeah, it takes patience and it takes, you know, some cutting in stages to do it. Okay, great. And hey, I had an experience with uh, poison, I guess, ivy. Yeah. So I thought that when the leaves were gone, and it does lose its leaves after frost, that I could do away with the vines and be okay. And I did have gloves and stuff on, but I did, I guess, just the dust from the, or the, um, shavings from the vines did break me out. See, so. isn't that stupid? Because I thought the oil, yeah, was on the leaves. So you think when the right, leaves are going... No, I think it's in the, <laughs> in the vine, too. Ah, so. that's so aggravating. So how long did it take you to get over it? Do you remember? Because I'm on week three. I don't know. I mean, it, it, takes, it took me a couple of weeks, I guess. Yeah. You know? Okay, so good advice. Rick, it happened to Rick, it happened to me. I didn't I didn't even see poison ivy in there, but I mean the English ivy was so thick, I'm sure it Bye. probably was. But will you tell that wife of yours I said hello and I'm so glad you called this morning. Keep me up to date on the rhododendrons, how they work out. Thank you. Go dogs. Go dogs indeed. A big weekend for the dogs. Thank Rick. Always good to hear from you. So Monday night, that's the matchup between Georgia, Alabama, and you know we're your home of the dogs. We're gonna be covering it for you. 
all day long the national championship game right here on WSB on Monday. Stay tuned. It's 620. Got to take a break. We'll be back with the top three things to do in the landscape this weekend. I know it's a little chilly, but you could do it during the week, too. I'm Ashley Frasca. It's green and growing on WSB. So, yeah, it's going to be a chilly one. So I give you the top three things to do in the landscape every weekend. And it doesn't mean you have to rush out and do it today. You may not want to do it today. I think it's going to be a little chilly for that. But it goes for the week. It goes for a couple of weeks. It's just something seasonal and timely to keep you on task. And if you do nothing else or if you get overwhelmed with the landscape, this is just meant to help you out. Green and Growing. Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. All right, so number one, all trees could be pruned now. When they're dormant, you're better able to see their structure because they're missing the leaves. I've got a huge Japanese maple that has just, oh my gosh, quadrupled in size since we moved in 11 years ago. And it's beautiful, but no grass grows under it. Now it's starting to get so big, it's growing onto the deck. So this may be a time to get up on a ladder and, you know, selectively take out some of the branches, at least to thin it out a little bit. Um, Ornamental grasses. That should uh, have they should have all of their foliage cut away to allow new growth to come through. So late winter is an ideal time to do that. I know you've probably been looking at some of those ornamental grasses and they're brown and they're kind of dry looking. So you could get out there and do that. Some of them are pretty sharp, though. So make sure you have good gloves on. Um, and coming up after the break, Daniel in Decula has a question about pan, uh, pampas grass. So we'll talk about that. And Casey up in Cherokee County, the best grass is to grow around an in-ground pool. So all of that is very timely. I love those calls. So you all stay tuned. I'll get you in about 10 minutes. Um, And number three, back to pruning, shrubs that bloom on new wood, meaning that they flower or leaf out on branches that have grown during the current season, you prune those now before the new growth starts in the spring. Uh, Nick from Athens reached out to me about his abelia and his butterfly bush, and his timing couldn't have been better. And also think about maybe Confederate Rose, Rose of Sharon, that's in the hibiscus family, uh, fall-blooming hydrangeas. All of those bloom on new wood, so, you know, new growth that comes up. So uh, I'll remind you again, generally, I wait until February to do most of that just because I can keep track and remember it better. And I don't want to be out right now because it's 29 degrees. Um, But all of that, anything that blooms on new wood can certainly be cut back and it just makes room for nice new spring growth. All right, taking more of your calls coming up. 404-872-0750. We're also going to be talking about houseplant happiness. A little bit of crepe murder for those of you who are looking at crepe myrtles and thinking, man, they're ugly too. Do I need to cut them back or do I leave them alone? I'll answer that question. I'm glad you're here. Good morning. Green and growing. I'm Ashley Frasca right here on WSB. Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries on 95.5 WSB. Hope you're getting in the groove of your Saturday morning. I'll be gentle if you're just waking up. Good morning. Glad you're here. 636, so it's early on a cold Saturday morning. Maybe you're laying in bed, maybe you're driving to or from work, but we're glad you're here. And keep right here with uh, traffic updates. I know Doug Turnbull in the traffic center has been following a red alert, a little bit of a mess near East Ponce de Leon Avenue on the east side perimeter. So we'll have updates on that for you for sure. Uh, 404-872-0750. So and just talking about the top three things to do maybe this weekend, I was talking about ornamental grasses 
um, and things being, you know, cut back now this time of year to allow new growth. And I'm really glad I had to happen to mention that because Daniel and Decula is calling with a uh, very much so related question about his pampas grass. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Hey, good morning. How you doing? I'm great. Good to hear from you. I'm glad you called. Yes, yes. I was just calling. I have a, a pampas grass in my front yard that is huge. It's almost eating up my uh, light pole. Oh. I can barely see the light pole, and uh, I just want to know what is the best time to cut it back and how far back can I go? So this is a great time to do that, for sure. Cut it back now, um, because what you're going to do is cut back all the dead stuff and kind of open up that center so that it gets the sunlight <laughs> And everything it needs to start putting out new growth, you know, come spring. And the good news is you can cut it back only like to where it's 12 inches tall. So that's going to be a huge reduction for you, Daniel. It's going to be a lot of work. So if you kind of want to chip away a little bit at a time, that's probably not going to wear you out. It's going to be most effective. Um, And people with pampas grass, I mean, it's tough. It's really, really tough. So you may want to go one side of it at a time. Um, and you really need something very, very, very sharp. And you need protection, too. Tall gloves, long sleeves, so that you don't get cut by the blades of the grass. Awesome. Thank you very much. No problem. Good luck with that. And then what do you intend to do with, uh, you know, once you get it all cut back? Do you just kind of toss that in a lawn oh, I have bag? a lot of woods next to my house, so yeah. everything goes on the side. <laughs> nice. And I think that's going to be good. I mean, this is kind of silly. But once you throw all that in the woods and kind of pile it up or mound it up, birds and stuff will nest in that. So I think it's kind of twofold. You're not wasting the stuff you cut away. So that's a good idea. Not at all. Nice. Thank you so much. All right. Get to work, Daniel. I'm glad you called. You've got quite the task ahead of you, but it can be done now. So your call is very timely. 404-872-0750. Call right now with any lawn or garden questions you may have or even any comments. Um, You know, I would love to hear, I threw this out in the first hour, I think, or at least I meant to, um, any cool garden tools or toys or anything that you got for Christmas. Uh, Share some of those with us. I got a couple of really neat pots and vases from none other than my colleagues. My colleagues seeing uh, pottery that reminded them of me since I host the show. Um, Deborah Green, she's a producer for the Mark Aram Show, and she's a jock over on 97.1 The River. She found like a really cool um, houseplant pot and it's a black ceramic pot and it looks like a boombox. It looks like a stereo. And she's like, I just saw this and I had to get it for you. At a distance, it looks like Darth Vader. It looks kind of weird with the big circles from the boombox. But upon closer reflection, it's definitely a boombox. So I am on a mission to find a small houseplant that I can put in that, that I can put on my desk. And my desk gets absolutely no natural light here in the building whatsoever, uh, just fluorescent. So I'm going to need some low-light houseplants. So you better believe coming up at 8.30 when I have Pike Nursery on the show to talk about houseplants, I'm going to be asking Rena that question for sure. All right, back to the phones we go. And up next is Casey calling from Waleska. Hey there, good morning. Good morning, Ashley. Long-time listener, first-time caller. How are ah, you? I'm so glad. Are you nervous? Are you scared? Or does this feel pretty easy? Uh, a little nervous, but it's okay. <laughs> you sound great. <laughs> so what are you doing up so early on a Saturday? Uh, I'm, well, I'm going to work, unfortunately, uh, today and tomorrow, but okay. uh, that, that's, that's okay. Good. Um, well, I hope I'm keeping you company along the way. You do. You do. You, do. You, you always do. I really appreciate it. Listen to the show every weekend. Thank you. <laughs> So we, we're installing an above-ground pool. We're about, uh, I don't know, we're probably three-quarters of the way through it. And uh, we've got uh, all the backfills in. And um, we, we've, got, we've got a 
I don't know, maybe six feet of flat area outside of the concrete area of the pool. Mm -hmm. And then there's probably from there, there's probably another 12 feet of slope. And I've really been kind of beating my head against the wall trying to figure out what I could plant there. And uh, driving in this morning, I thought, hey, I'll just call Ashley and ask her. (laughs) That's perfect. And that worked out pretty, pretty well. I love that. So you've got a lot of options. Um, and, and it's not for privacy, right? Is it just for looks? Yes, it's just for looks. We have a privacy fence that's going in. So, yeah, it's just for looks. Okay. So, you know, all ornamental grasses are perennial, meaning they're going to come back year after year. So plant it this spring and you're done. Um, they do like well-drained soil. So make sure, you know, if it is level with the pool or a really flat area, that it does at least stay well-drained. If when you plant them, you need to mound them up just a little bit or whatever that's going to take. And full sun. So that's going to be perfect near a pool because you're wanting full sun for the pool as well. Um, I do have some recommendations for you, Casey, is sure. And um, what I might do since you're driving, I'll go ahead and rattle these off. And then I'll put you back on hold and let you talk to Ann. Because if you okay. can give Ann your email address, um, I'll probably email them to you as well. Um, but Perfect. yeah, just for folks who are wondering, a spot with full sun and you're tired of plants, or maybe you've just not had any luck with other perennial plants, or you know it's not a good area for grass for whatever reason, ornamental grasses are going to be great. So the, the ones I came up with, pink muley grass, is one of my favorites. And in the fall, it's real whimsical, light, airy, pink, you know, waves in the wind. I mean, it's beautiful. So pink muley grass can get pretty large. Okay. Um, bamboo muley is a great option with a bamboo kind of look, but it's not invasive. It's not going to spread like crazy, like traditional bamboo, but it's just fun looking. You know, it's got that oriental look to it. Uh, purple fountain grass, Casey, is one that a lot of people recognize with thin purple blades and that wheat color, you know, feathery plume on the top. So purple fountain grass has a lot of texture, a lot of color going on. It's going to be nice too. Um, and Japanese forest grass. This is one I didn't know a whole lot about. But it's kind of multicolored, depending on the season. It'll have some yellows in it. It'll have some reds, um, you know, green in the summertime. So Japanese forest grass is really pretty, too. So there's some grass ideas right there. Um, yeah, that, that sounds great. Yeah, they're, they're all different colors, all different textures. The ones I gave you, different, you know, leaf blade sizes. Um, and spring's the perfect time to plant those. So it sounds like it's going to be great and coinciding when, you know, your project's done and you want everything ready by um, summertime. And also kind of thinking about some tropical perennials that aren't grasses, you know, but things that are going to look nice by the pool and give it that tropical look and they're low maintenance. Uh, caladiums. Caladiums are going to be really okay. pretty, you know, that big broad leaf. Now, up in Waleska, you probably would have to dig those up before a freeze put them in the garage and then put them back in or heck just plant new ones um, year after year. If you like the look of caladiums and elephant ears and canna lilies, those are the big leafy plants as well too. They're going to be color and the canna lilies, you know, they'll grow tall. I mean, they can grow up to five feet high, but they're going to have one single flower on the top in the summertime, whether it's red or yellow or orange. So canna lilies are a great option and those are perennial. Those rhizomes stay in the ground. You'll just need to, Mulch them really, really good. Pile them with mulch for the winter time, and they should overwinter just fine. Um, and one more. Wow, that's that. That's uh, yeah. You're gonna have to email all that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I just like. I mean, it's like a palette. You have a clean slate. You've got a, a good palette to work with. And, oh, definitely. And I'm close. Def- you know, in your neck of the woods. So I'm. I'm keeping in mind. It does get a little colder up where we are versus you know Metro Atlanta on the south side. Um, so just extra protection for these you know plants in the winter time. But also sure. Mexican petunias. Have you seen those? 
Uh, no, I have not. Okay, Mexican petunias, they don't look anything like a regular petunia that you would have growing in a pot, but they're real tall, almost kind of like a bamboo look and that they have a tall, um, stalky stem and green leaves, but they flourish with purple flowers throughout the summer and into the fall. They're all purple flowers, but they grow kind of thick. Um, and they do start to okay. spread, but that can fill in an area really nicely, too. So, yes, I did not mean to overwhelm you, but, boy, you asked a question, and I came at you with some answers. No, I, I love it. I love it. Thank you. That's yeah. huge. One more question sure. while I got you on the phone. Okay. What would – so, in my front yard, we I have Bermuda grass sod. Would that work around the pool as well, or, or would, like, a – I don't know, like a fescue or something. What do you think would work best there? You know, since you're getting the full sun, Bermuda is going to be fine. And that grass I think of as a little more tough uh, for foot traffic and all of that. I mean, my fescue is really tender right now because we just put a new lawn down in, uh, well, a seed in October. And I don't know, the fescue just seems to get um, a little more worn down, being trampled and just doesn't rebound as well. I mean, it gets a little stressed in in the warm months. Um, Fescue is a cool season grass, so um, in the warm months, you know, when all of you are out there and walking all over it and stuff, I mean, sure, it could be strong and it could be fertilized and all that, but I just like Bermuda. It's going to grow more dense, a little lower, um, and it's going to really like that that full sun. That's the ideal situation for it, too, so I'd go with that, and that's easier to sod, too, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, run with that. I want before and after pictures, Casey. That's the deal. I gave you these plant recommendations. I get pictures. Deal? You get When we get the pool done, I will email you pictures. Absolutely. All right. Well, I'm going to put you back on hold. And since you're driving, Anne can get your email address and I'll I'll give you all those uh, recommendations. And heck, I'll put them on the Facebook page too for anybody that uh, may have perked up at some of those grass recommendations. I mean, that's something to get excited about, folks, in the spring. When you're able to plant some ornamental grasses and it's something you've never had in your landscape, I mean, I think you can really do a lot with those. And it just kind of breaks up the monotony of perennial or annual flowers if you just get kind of tired of those or bored with the same old, same old. Um, So that's what I'll do on the Green and Growing Facebook page. Uh, Like the page, follow the page. I don't have a website yet. Thinking about it, someone's trying to sell me on the idea of one, but I got to do all the work. So Facebook right now is the way to do it. But uh, yeah, I'll put up all those recommendations that I just gave to Casey for some uh, tropical perennial plants and grasses. All right, I think it's time to take a break. 404-872-0750 is the number to get through to me live here in the studios at WSB this morning with you until 9 o'clock. And guess who else is live? Dave Baker's already here for his 9 o'clock home fix-it show. So you're just getting a double whammy from 6 to noon today. Stay with us. We love spending the morning with you. You're listening to 95.5 WSB. So maybe my upcoming garden to-do list It either has to get done today or you have to wait until Monday with rain in the forecast, cold rain, and then windy. There's nothing worse than that. All right, welcome back to Green and Growing. It is six minutes until the top of the hour. Glad you're here. We're getting ready to go into hour number two. We're going to talk to Norm Mitleider, a friend of the show, about crepe murder. So, hey, all you landscapers, listen up for that because uh, crepe murder is something that many are guilty of. And right now, so many of the crepe myrtles in my neighborhood look awful because they've been pruned incorrectly. So if uh, if you must prune your crepe myrtles, you got to listen to this in the next hour. But for the time being, time to do this. Green, Green and growing. Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend. All right, number one. You know, I 
I don't think I got to this. I have three things and I don't think I got to uh, this one when I did this 30 minutes ago. So we'll make this number one. Be on the lookout for local nature centers and master garden groups that are hosting webinars or classes. I just talked to Josh, who's the county extension agent for Cherokee County, where I live. And I was looking forward to doing uh, master gardener classes and all that kind of thing. And still with COVID, some things may be virtual, some things may be in person, but it's worth a look um, if your local garden groups have a Facebook page or a website you can look at. And North Fulton Master Gardeners, they're hosting their free spring gardening lecture series beginning in February. So reach out to me if you would like to find some classes in your area. I will direct you on how to do that. Number two, to pruning, shrubs that bloom on new wood, meaning that they flower or they leaf out on branches that have grown during the current season, prune those now before the new growth starts in the spring. You've got all of late winter to be able to do that. Um, Nick from Athens is a listener that reached out to me about Abelia, asking about butterfly bush, and also made me think about Confederate Rose and Rose of Sharon. All of that blooms on new wood. So if it just looks scraggly and stemmy and twiggy right now, you can cut that back. And I'll remind you again, in February, I tend to do that along with my knockout roses um, right around Valentine's Day. It just helps me remember. And number three, all trees can be pruned now when they're dormant. So they're not leafing out. They're not putting out any new growth. And you're better able to see their structure, right? Because none of them have any leaves. Uh, with the exception of you see one in the woods right now, the American beech tree. How about that? That is that light brown leafed uh, tree that hangs out in the woods a lot and it doesn't lose its leaves. Isn't that interesting? But generally, okay, so most of them have. Uh, ornamental grasses too, as we talked about, all of that should be cut away to allow for new growth to come through and you know it's going to. Be mindful of anything that may be nesting in there if you want to cut back pampas grass or something like that. Um, but now's the time to do it. That can be cut as low as 12 inches high. So I know some of it right now is as tall as you are. You just got to go at it maybe in stages. Don't wear yourself out and try to do it all at once. Um, and if you want to remove pampas grass from the landscape, that's a tough one too. I saw a neighbor hook it up with a rope or a chain or whatever to a pickup truck and pull it out because it was really close to a light pole, a light post. And I guess he just wanted something different. So tough stuff to work with, but now is the time of year to do it. 404-872-0750. Look me up on Facebook too. Search Green and Growing WSB and you'll see the page there. I try to keep up to date with some fun garden stuff. But for now, we'll be back right after a check of news, weather and traffic on WSB. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.